Kids, I want to begin with a, a, a question for you this morning. It's a very simple question, uh, but it's an important one for what we're talking about today. But what are some of the reasons that someone might cry? Yeah. If they get hurt, that's a great reason why someone might cry. Yeah. I can't hear. Oh, you got to leave a party. That's definitely a reason to cry. Look out, parents. Look out. Yeah. Is somebody embarrassed? Yeah, that's a good reason. That's a good reason. Any other ones? Who's in the back? I see a, a Barnes hand. Yell it out. If you're sad. Yeah, yeah. Good. One more. Last one. If you fall off something and get hurt? Oh, your bike. Totally. Totally. Yeah. These are all really good reasons to cry, right? And sometimes we cry for things like joy and, and love and uh, excitement. But most of the times we cry for really hard things like pain and fear and exhaustion and, and, and sadness and frustration. This morning, we're looking at a story of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And in it, we have an account of someone who was crying for really hard reasons. And so in our sermon today, we're going to be talking about the reasons why Mary Magdalene was crying and how the story of Easter turned her sorrow into joy. Okay, So on your activity sheets... Uh, we've got some questions for you to help you listen and follow along in the sermon. If you, any kids didn't get activity sheets and they want them, there's some in the back. You're welcome to go get them. Um, and particularly, kids, I want you to listen for what happened on that first Easter morning that turned Mary's tears into a testimony and how the same thing can happen for us. Okay? Why are you weeping? This is the question that is twice asked of Mary Magdalene on that first Easter morning as she stood outside of Jesus' empty tomb. Why are you weeping? And to some degree, the answer to those questions should be quite obvious, shouldn't they? Mary was crying because just two days earlier, Jesus, her teacher and her Lord, whom she loved had died a horrific death when he was crucified upon a cross. So in a very obvious sense, the reason that Mary was weeping that morning was because Jesus had died and her heart was grieving. Did they really even need to ask the question? There is an obvious and presenting reason for Mary's tears. But what I want to suggest to you this morning is that when we consider Mary's two responses... To her two questioners regarding her tears, I want to suggest that Mary reveals deeper reasons for her weeping. And that her answers reveal the reasons behind the reason for her tears. And the reason this is important for us to consider is because it is to these deeper reasons for Mary's crying that the message of Easter speaks a profound word of hope. Both to her tears on that first Easter morning and to the ones that we cry as well. And so that's what we're going to consider together this morning. Why was Mary weeping and how does the message of Easter wipe away her tears? So if you have a Bible with you, uh, an old school one or on your phone, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 20, beginning in verse 11. As we consider 
how Easter morning turned Mary's tears into testimony, and how it does the same for us. Now, the first time that Mary was asked the reason for her weeping in this story was by the angels who were sitting inside of the empty tomb. And we read, beginning in verse 11, that Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped in to look in the tomb. And when she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet, they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. So Mary's first response to the question about her weeping was that Jesus' body had been taken and she didn't know where he was. Now the idea of somebody having taken a dead body out of a tomb may sound a bit foreign and odd and, and, and crazy to us. But this was not a crazy idea for Mary to consider. Because in Matthew's account of the crucifixion, but we read about how the chief priests and the Pharisees had warned Pilate that they thought Jesus' disciples would come and take his body and steal him away so that they could tell people that he had risen from the dead. And so Pilate had the tomb sealed and a, and, and, and a guard of soldiers stationed at the tomb to prevent just such an event from happening. So the fact that Mary wondered if, if someone had moved Jesus' body was not a crazy thought at all. But it is telling. It is telling that, that someone must have moved the body was the only possible scenario that Mary could have come up with for why Jesus wasn't in the tomb. And what that answer shows us, what it reveals, is that the first reason behind the reason for Mary's tears is that she had no hope. Because she was assuming that that first Easter day was just like every other day that had ever come before it. And she was operating as if Jesus' death was just like every other death that had ever preceded it. Mary's response reveals that she believed that the world was operating as normal on that first Easter day, just as it always had before then. And we know that's what she was thinking and that these were her assumptions because up to that point in the history of the world, that's the only way that a grave could have ever been found empty. Is if someone went to it and emptied it of its contents. Mary was assuming that the world was operating as it always had. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter warns the church about just this type of thinking. He said that in the last days, scoffers would come and deny that the promises of the Lord were true. And to make their case, they would point to the fact that for as long as anyone could remember, everything about life had always continued on just as it always had from the very beginning of creation. Nothing has changed, is the scoffer's argument. Wars still happen, people still die, evil still present, the world still goes on as it always has. Now, I'm not saying that Mary Magdalene was a scoffer. Her situation is different than the scoffers that Peter's mentions, both in the timing of when she was 
engaging this and in the circumstances with which she was engaging. But I am saying that in this moment, she's exhibiting a scoffer's heart. Because as she looked at that empty tomb, the only thing that she could imagine was that someone had taken Jesus' body away and that that's why the tomb was empty. And if that were the case, if Mary was right, if the scoffers are right, that that first Easter Sunday was just like every other Sunday and that Jesus' death was just like every other death and that the world was going on just as it had always gone on, then she had every reason to weep. And so do we. Because as we heard in our New Testament reading out of 1 Corinthians this morning, if Christ has not been raised, then everything that we hope for in this life and in the life to come is all in vain. If Christ has not been raised, then death still gets the final word. If Christ has not been raised, then we are still enslaved in our sin. If Christ has not been raised, then all of the promises about God's coming kingdom that we heard about from Jesus and that we read about in the rest of the scriptures, about feasting and abundance and blessing, about death being swallowed up forever, about the Lord wiping away our tears, about our reproach being taken away, about God coming to save us, about a home being prepared for us in heaven, about the devil being disarmed and defeated, about wars ceasing, about poverty ending, about restoration and reconciliation and the renewal of all things, about justice flowing like a river and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. If Christ has not been raised, then none of this is real. And if our hope in Christ was for this life only, then we of all people are most to be pitied. When the angels asked Mary why she was weeping, this was her first answer behind the answer. She didn't believe that Jesus' death could be anything other than death. And as a result, she had no hope. And that is reason to weep. The second time Mary was asked this question, why are you weeping, is found in verse 14 and following. And this time she was asked the question by Jesus himself. But she apparently couldn't recognize Jesus in his resurrected body because we're told in verse 15 that she supposed he was the gardener. And so in her second response to this question about her weeping, Mary said to Jesus, whom she thought was the gardener, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And in this response, Mary ironically asked Jesus to tell her where Jesus was. And in this response, both with her words and by her actions, Mary reveals another reason behind the reason for her weeping. Which is that she was looking for Jesus, but she couldn't find him anywhere. In the midst of her pain and her suffering, she was trying to find her Lord, to find some comfort just in knowing where he was. But she couldn't find him anywhere. And that's a terrible experience to suffer through. Have you ever faced really difficult or painful, or scary circumstances in your life? 
And in the midst of your pain or your fear or your sorrow, you tried to discern where the Lord was, but He seemed nowhere to be found. You couldn't hear His voice. Couldn't see His hand. Couldn't sense His presence. Couldn't feel His leading. You couldn't find His comfort. You begged for Him to help you make sense of your circumstances and help you to ease your suffering, but He seems nowhere to be found. In Psalm 22, David describes a number of incredibly difficult scenarios that he experienced in his life. Times when he was surrounded by enemies. Times when he was under attack. Times when his body was in excruciating pain. They're all terrible scenarios that no one would want to experience. But by far the greatest of the agonies in this psalm was when David cried out to God for help in the midst of his trials, and he could not find Him. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Oh God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Trouble is near, but there is no one to help. David's experiencing all kinds of trouble in this psalm. But by far the worst of it is his inability to find God in the midst of it. The physical and emotional pains of life are often hard and sometimes they feel like they are all that we can bear. But life can become utterly unbearable when we cry out to God for help and we cannot find Him. The silence of heaven in the midst of our pain is often far more tormenting than our pain itself. This was the second reason behind the reason for Mary's weeping. She was looking for her Lord to make some sense of her pain. She couldn't find Him anywhere. And so on that first Easter morning, Mary was certainly weeping because of the grief over the death of Jesus. But when she was asked why she was weeping, her answers and her actions revealed to us deeper reasons behind the reasons for her grief. That in the midst of her pain, she had no hope. And she had no help. This world always has, and it always will, throw difficult and painful and scary scenarios at us. You may be dealing with some of them in your life Right now, there may be physical challenges that you're facing, relational challenges that you're experiencing, or emotional challenges you're dealing with. You may have vocational challenges. You may be struggling to understand your identity. You you may be facing a significant loss. And we could go on and on and on with the list of the problems of this world. There are all kinds of painful and difficult situations that we face in life. And we can bear a lot of that. As human beings. But it's when we lose our hope. That anything will ever be different. Or better. It's when the heavens are silence. Offering no help. To bring the change that we need. It's when we have no hope. And it's when we have no help. That the trials of life often. Become unbearable and overwhelming. And this is where Mary found herself on that first Easter morning. Grieving loss, for sure. 
but hopeless and helpless in the midst of it to make matters far worse. That's why she was weeping. And if there are any of you here this morning who find yourself in a similar situation, grieved by the circumstances of your life, hopeless that it could ever be any better or any different, feeling abandoned by God in the midst of it all, If anyone's feeling that way this morning, then please hear me say this. Do not give up hope. And do not stop crying out to God for help. Do not give up hope. And do not stop crying out to God for help. Because it is in directly into these moments of hopelessness and of helplessness... It is directly into these moments when life feels broken beyond repair and when you feel like you've been left all alone to deal with. It is in those moments of hopelessness and helplessness that the message of Easter most profoundly comes to bear on our lives. That's what happened to Mary Magdalene. Because it was right then, in the lowest of Mary's lows, when with a single word... Absolutely everything changed. As Jesus revealed himself to Mary by simply speaking her name. Mary. He simply spoke her name. And that's all it took for her entire world to get turned right side up. Because in hearing Jesus speak her name, suddenly all of Mary's reasons for weeping were gone. As three things became very clear for her on that first Easter morning. The first was obviously that Jesus was no longer dead, but that he was alive again. His grave had not been robbed. He had been resurrected. Which leads to the second thing that became clear for Mary in that moment, which was that she had hope for life again. Because she suddenly realized that Jesus' death was not just like other, every other death. In fact, it was not like any other death. Because the grave could not hold him. Which meant that the entire world was suddenly infused with hope. Because if the grave could even be now overcome, that meant that anything was possible. If death is defeated and life now gets the final word, that means there is hope now permanently laced into all of creation. Because death is no longer the end. And the third thing that became very clear for Mary in that moment was that she now knew that her Lord was with her. And he he had actually been there with her all along that morning. She just hadn't been able to recognize him. She had never really been alone. And church, this is the power of Easter. That with a single word from the risen Lord, God's glory comes to bear on our deepest grief. Our hopelessness is swallowed up in hope. And our helplessness can be consumed by the very present help of our very present Lord. With one word, The risen Lord brought the joy of Easter into Mary's life. And he wants to do the same for you. Did you know that the Lord calls you by name also? 
We heard it in our Old Testament reading out of Isaiah this morning. When God said to His people, I have called you by name. You are mine. Have you ever heard the Lord call your name? Don? Stacy? Megan? Rick? Matt? I want us all to be silent for just one second. And in the silence of this moment, I want you to listen for the Lord to speak your name. Just be quiet for one moment, as quiet as this church can ever get. And listen for the Lord to speak your name. It is often a still, small voice. Spoken into our innermost being. If you've ever heard the Lord call your name, then all that Mary experienced that first Easter morning is true for you as well. If you've heard God call your name, then you now know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your God is alive. Because dead people don't speak, but living ones do. When you hear the voice of the Lord, whether it's in His Word or by His Spirit, you know that Christ has risen from the grave. And you know that because of that, there is not a single situation in your life that is hopeless. If Jesus overcame all of the sins of the entire world, and the devil, and death itself, all at once by rising from the dead then there is nothing that He cannot do. And church, I want you to listen to me for one second. You need to hear this this morning. You do not have a single problem in your life that is too big for God. And you never will. There is no relationship that He can't reconcile. There is no illness He can't eliminate. There's no mystery He can't make clear. There's no fear He can't turn into faith. There's no death He cannot defeat. If Jesus came out of the tomb, then there's nothing that He can't do. And finally, if you've ever heard God call your name, then you know that He is nearby when you need to call His name. That's the way it works. This is God's promise to us. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God's promise to those whom He calls is that He will be with them to the very end of the age. And that only makes sense because if He has already been to hell and back for you, If He's willing to do that for you, do you really think there's anything that could separate you from His love for you? Well, tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. For we can be certain that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus. Though we may not always be able to recognize Him. We can be certain that God is always with us.
all of this with a single word from our risen Lord who calls you by name. It's enough to transform your deepest grief with His grace, to swallow up your hopelessness in His hope, and to consume any sense of helplessness by the very present help of our very present Lord. This is the power of Easter. Do you know this power in your life? It changes absolutely everything. I want to end this morning by very briefly considering Mary's four responses when she heard the Lord call her by name. And I want to suggest that these would be good responses for all of us as well. In verse 16 and following, we read that when Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. After Jesus revealed himself to Mary, we see four things. That she circled, that she called, that she clung, and that she communicated. The first thing Mary did when Jesus called her name was that she circled. She turned herself around to face the Lord. We need to do the same. Whenever you hear the Lord call your name, turn to Him. Circle around. Reorient your life towards Him and the direction that He is calling you in. The second thing Mary did after Jesus called her name was that she called back to Him. Teacher, she cried out. And we need to cry to Jesus as well. Sometimes it will be in praise. Sometimes it will be in prayer. Sometimes it will be in joy. Sometimes it will be in sorrow. But we should constantly be calling out to our risen Lord. The third thing that Mary did was that she clung to Him. That she embraced Jesus and held on to Him. Now Jesus made Mary let go because He still needed to ascend into heaven. But we do not ever need to let go. He has come by His Spirit to abide with us forever. And so cling to Jesus. Morning, noon, and night. When you are young and when you are old. When you are healthy and when you are sick. When you are living and as you are dying. Cling to the risen Jesus and never let Him go. Because He is our hope and He is our help. And the final thing that Mary did was that she went and she communicated about Jesus to the other disciples. She went and gave eyewitness testimony. I have seen the Lord. And in this final response, Mary's Easter transformation is complete as her tears are turned into testimony. This should be the culmination of our Easter stories as well. That we go and tell the world that we need not be hopeless. And that we need not feel helpless. Because Christ is risen from the grave. And He is with us. Alleluia. Christ is risen. For God's glory and for our good. Amen.